Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source into feelings caring about your facts. I am your host, a leftist made of straw. Debate me, debate me, bro. Jesus. I can never seem to get like a flawless introduction done all, most of the time. Anyways, the date is May 12, 2021, and we pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. And those words hit me impactfully today, mainly because the main story is what's going on in Israel, Palestine, and the unfortunate death and destruction that is being followed during the month of Ramadan, just after Israel's Jerusalem Day. We got colonizers versus the colonized, and we got Ben Shapiro's enlightened, woke uh, perspective coming in here. You know, he definitely comes in with a clear mind of the events. Um, I'm kidding. His his segment is horrifying. I I like to be perfectly honest with you. When whenever Ben Shapiro defends Israel, is when he be like he comes off more fascist to me than any other time. Um. So we have like just Ben Shapiro lined up all the way down, all the way down the line. But um, just to get like a quick update, bit of context here. I have an article from Mirror, uh, news reporter William Walker. So we have. Just some context to get through here. Let's see, let's see. Accept cookies. Wow. News websites are not as good as newspapers. You know, newspapers are so much better. Um, let's get it going. Let's get it cracking. So the story here from Mirror comes in, and it says, At least 35 people have been killed, including 10 children in Gaza and 3 in Israel, as hostilities in the Palestinian conflict erupted. In the most intensive violence in years, jets bombed Gaza and Hamas said it had fired hundreds of rockets at Israel, including the city of Tel Aviv. Israel has also declared a state of emergency in the central city of Lod after rioting by Israeli Arabs as conflict between Israeli forces and Palestinian militants intensified. Israel said it had sent 80 jets to bomb Gaza and dispatched infantry and armor to reinforce the tanks already gathered on the border. There is video footage of Tuesday showing three plumes of thick black smoke rising from a 13-story Gaza residential and office block as it toppled over after being demolished by Israeli airstrikes. Uh, one multi-story residential building in Gaza collapsed and another was heavily damaged after they were, were repeatedly hit by Israeli airstrikes early on Wednesday. The Israeli military said the building in Gaza City's Rimal neighborhood housed multiple ha uh, Hamas offices, including ones for military research and development and military intelligence. Residents in the block and the surrounding area had been warned to evacuate the area before the airstrike, according to the military. A second residential and office building in the same neighborhood was heavily damaged in Israeli attacks shortly before 2 a.m. on Wednesday. Gaza Health Ministry officials put the death toll at 32, but a Hamas-affiliated radio station later said three more people, including a woman and a child, were killed shortly before 2 a.m. on Wednesday in an Israeli airstrike on an apartment above a restaurant. 
Israeli political leaders and the military said they had killed dozens of militants and hit buildings used by Hamas. Defense Minister Benny Gantz said Israel had carried out, quote-unquote, hundreds of strikes and that buildings will continue to crumble. Gaza's health ministry said that of the reported dead, 10 were children and one was a woman. Meanwhile, Palestinian militant groups fired multiple rocket barrages at Tel Aviv and Beersheba. Uh, Hamas, Hamas's armed wing said it fired 210 rockets towards Beersheba and Tel Aviv in response to the bombing of the buildings in Gaza City. In Tel Aviv, air raid sirens were heard around the city. Israel's Megan David Adam ambulance wow ambulance service <laughs> said a 50-year-old woman was killed when a rocket hit a building in the Tel Aviv suburb of Rishon Lezion and that two women had been killed in rocket strikes on Ashkelon. It was some of the worst offensive strikes between Israel and Hamas since a 2014 war in Gaza and sparked international concern that the situation could spiral out of control. UN Middle East Peace Envoy Tor Wenisland said on social media, Stop the fire immediately. We're escalating towards a full-scale war. Leaders on all sides have to take responsibility of de-escalation. Quote, The cost of war in Gaza is devastating and is being paid by ordinary people. UN is working with all sides to restore calm. Stop the violence now. Unquote. The violence followed weeks of tension in Jerusalem during the Muslim fasting month of Ramadan, with clashes between Israeli police and Palestinian protesters in and around Al-Aqsa Mosque on the compound revered by Jews as Temple Mount and by Muslims as the Noble Sanctuary. These escalated in recent days ahead of a now-postponed court hearing in a case that could end with Palestinian families uh, evicted from East Jerusalem homes claimed by Jewish settlers. Um, the language here is very fascinating because eviction means that there's authority behind a lot of this. Um, I do not respect Israel's colonization, so I'm not going to respect the use of the word eviction here. I think uh, displacement is a lot more fitting for this kind of situation. Um, let's see here. Scroll, scroll, scroll. This website's acting all wonky as I started getting through this. Um, let's see. There it is. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu earlier warned that militants would pay a very heavy price for the rockets, which reached the outskirts of Jerusalem on Monday during a holiday in Israel commemorating its capture of East Jerusalem in a 1967 war. Yep. The Arab League, some of whose members have warned ties, or no, sorry, sentences, wonky website, beginning again. The Arab League, some of whose members have warmed ties with Israel over the last year, accused it of indiscriminate and irresponsible attacks in Gaza and said it was responsible for dangerous escalation in Jerusalem. Hamas group leader Ismail Hania, Hania? Uh, said Israel had ignited fire in Jerusalem and Al-Aqsa, and the flames extended to Gaza. Therefore, it is responsible for the consequences. Ismail said that Qatar, Egypt, and United Nations had been in contact urging calm, but that Hamas's message to Israel was, quote, if they want to escalate, the resistance is ready. If they want to stop, the resistance is ready, unquote. 
The U.S. said on Tuesday that Israel had a legitimate right to defend itself from rocket attacks, but applied pressure on Israel over the treatment of Palestinians, saying Jerusalem must be a place of coexistence. Uh, State Department spokesman Ned Price urged calm and restraint on both sides, saying the loss of life, the loss of Israel life, Israeli life, the loss of Palestinian life, it's something that we deeply regret. Uh, he added, quote, we are urging this message of de-escalation to see this loss of life come to an end, unquote. Uh, very fascinating, just because this has been a issue for hmm, over 70 years, possibly 80 years, where we've been seeing the colonization of Palestine and all of the allies only condemning Israel to an extent. And now we're starting to see as the colonization process is nearly complete that we just beg for everybody to be peaceful rather than condemning the actual acts of violence or let's say the overreaction from the Israeli government like we used to. Um, sure, Hamas is uh, killing people with rockets, and that is a tragic misfortune in a very, I don't know, hostile occupied zone. Um, but these rockets killing one or two individuals is uh, being responded to with airstrikes that can kill tens of hundreds of individuals. Um, so while this is a very controversial uh, subject here it's not easy for me to take sides on this because lives will be lost no matter what side you take um, but I have incredible sympathies for the Palestinian people because as far as I can see it the Israeli settlers really have no justification for the way that they've treated the Palestinians over decades of time and you can make the argument well the you know the Palestinians had fought back yeah, that's usually what happens when colonizers show up invading and displacing your people. You tend to arm up and defend yourselves. So that's when Ben Shapiro comes in, the Israeli PR guy, to clean up the image of the one of the most like fascistic regimes that is so blatantly fascistic. Um, it just gets to a really gross level with Ben Shapiro, in my personal opinion, because when he defends American policies, he just comes off as like you're, you're, you're run-of-the-mill conservative, for sure. But when he's defending Israel, man, oh man, does that authoritarian, totalitarian kind of aspects come out of him. And I see a lot of uh, mm, just fascistic characteristics come from Ben Shapiro. And this is like specifically when his, uh, his uh, Islamophobia is really put to great use. Um, in this particular situation, because uh, with the Israel-Palestine conflict, it kind of gets muddled up with the idea that this is a Jewish versus Muslim kind of problem, but it's really not. It's a colonizer versus the colonized. So whew, um, we're going to get into that because it is big piece, big story. Um, and I feel like anybody who uh, feels tied to the suffrage going on in that area, you know, free to speak up, free to organize, and do all the things necessary to make sure that um, you're representing the side that you um, feel is either underrepresented or is justified. Ben Shapiro coming in with the idea that Israel is justified, so let's let him talk and get this over with. Uh, I have, like, other segments by him, but I did think that opening up with... Israel-Palestine is pretty important, but there's two other segments 
that Ben Shapiro blessed us with this week. So let's uh, get the ball rolling. You've been watching the media today, I'm sure, and you have seen that there is violence in Jerusalem. Now, the way the media cover this sort of stuff is they always suggest that it's a cycle of violence. Both sides are to blame. This is because the media are ignorant and stupid and have no expectations of humane and decent behavior by radicals in the Palestinian community. Now, the vast majority of Palestinians are not people, presumably, who want to engage in violence and terrorism. But there are a lot of people in that community who do, in fact, want to engage in violence and terrorism. And those people tend to occupy the highest rungs of Palestinian governmental structures. Hamas runs at the Gaza Strip. It is an open terrorist group. Islamic Jihad and... <laughs> an open terrorist group it's just funny to me because that just like that would mean that they're walking around telling everybody like hey we're a bunch of terrorists um i've i i, I just find it a bit fascinating here um mainly because it has been a conflict for over 70 80 years so it is kind of uh, a legitimate thing to say that there's violence coming from both sides you just have to wonder whether or not it's an actual conflict or if it's more of a massacre um, to the level of extent with like how much COVID has been pushing through in the Palestinian region and how much, I don't know, Israel hasn't been vaccinating those people, I would say this is much closer to a genocide than an actual conflict. Also because they don't have the same amount of military reaction that Israel has or even backing from other countries. So I, I would say this is much more closer to a... Uh, genocide that has a bit of resistance to it mainly because Israel can't go full on genocide without it looking like it's a conflict so um, we're just kind of seeing the building of tensions as the media is also building the idea that this is going to turn into full war when yet again I'm you know even with Hamas or the other leadership that the Palestinians have they don't have as much resources as the Israeli government or uh, yeah, they don't have as much. So it's it's much closer to a massacre than any kind of conflict. Fatah are the other groups that run Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. Okay, those groups are terrorist groups. They've been terrorist groups for a very long time. Now, the pretext for all of this is the eviction of some Palestinian families from Sheikh Jarrah, from homes in Sheikh Jarrah. Okay, they're allowed to live elsewhere. They're just not allowed to live in these particular homes because they don't have legal deed to these homes. There's been a string of decisions going all the way back to 1970 by Israeli courts suggesting that people who have the original legal deeds to these homes have the ability to charge rent to the people living in the homes. The unfortunate thing of this piece of the argument that Ben Shapiro is presenting us here is that you have to agree with the premise that uh, Israel has legal standing to own this land. Um and that's kind of debatable since, you know, all the papers have been shifting since the first agreement coming from Britain in the early 1900s during like the Arab Spring and the relocation of uh, Jews throughout Europe. And uh, then finally in World War Two, when uh, Britain started coming through with that deal and moving a lot of Israelis or not Israels, but not even at the time, but they were Jewish people, a lot of them moving in them into the Palestinian area. Um, and slowly as that progressed, that's when we started to see the land being divvied up. Uh, the UN finally coming in the 1960s, trying to plot out, you know, and somewhat equitable um deal with you know land grabs for the israeli and the palestinians even though that map was like horribly drawn pieces of uh palestine were in the center of is of the land that they gave to israel so it was a terribly drawn map like just really it was prepped to lead to more conflict so um to agree with the premise that these families were allowed to be evicted 
from their homes in what is known as Palestinian land uh, by the Israeli government. You would have to agree with the premise that the Israeli government is a justified government in operating in its authority in that section of the land. I don't sit there, and I don't think a lot of Palestinians do either. And so the forced removal of them, in especially the way that they've been going about it, which is through riot police and, uh, you know, going into violent uh encounters with the protesters who are against the displacement of this family it just it none of it's justified for me um i can only argue from my point of view but it's um it's a government overreaching and it's always been a government overreaching as far as it comes with israel so you haven't been paying the rent and so now they're going to be taken out of the homes the same way that if you don't pay your rent in the united states in an apartment you get evicted it's that simple According to NGO Monitor, the district court case addressed ownership claims of eight appellants. The court found three of the appellants are the children and grandchildren of residents who acknowledged the ownership of the Israeli organizations in court proceedings in 1982. Four of the appellants claim to have purchased the properties in 1991 from a man named Ismail, but can note that they have no idea who Ismail is. They can't provide any documentation for this. So literally, they're just saying some guy sold me the land and they have no idea who it is and they can't provide any evidence this ever happened. The unfortunate thing is, is like, as he's giving us all of this context, there's literally no sources uh, or citations of any kind. So I have to, like, fact check, which is like an unfortunate side of consuming Ben Shapiro's uh, segments with like a critical thinking perspective. Because if I was just a Ben Shapiro listener and viewer and follower, I would just take this all in. That's my context. That's the story. Run with the narrative. No no fact checking, no no checking up on anything really. But since I don't trust Ben Shapiro's word, I can't just take the his uh framing of this entire narrative just based off of his words. I would like to see some citations, some sources, some proof of work, really. Um so I gotta Google it. That's great. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, too, is that, yeah. Uh, one of the first articles that comes up is from Daily Wire. Uh, we have this one from the UN. Not sure that I'm too into the UN's perspective on this either, but we're gonna go into it regardless. Uh, do 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 do. In raising alarm over eight Sheikh Jara families, approximately 75 persons in total. Wow, residing in the same named neighborhood of East Jerusalem that are at risk of imminent forced eviction, placing them at heightened risk for a forcible transfer. So, yeah, I, I feel like the word uh, forced eviction could just actually be replaced with forcible, forced transfer in general. These families are Palestinian refugees who lost both their original homes and means of livelihood as a result of the 1948 conflict. In 1956, these refugees families moved into Sheikh Jarrah with the support of the Jordanian government and material assistance from UNRWA following their displacement. They have resided in these houses for nearly 70 years. So what I'm saying is that like the Israeli government gets these, uh, you know, they get the, the whatever it is, the deeds or the leases or the mortgages and basically through their own 
channels that you know they claim to be authorized or justified but you have to buy into the story that israeli government or the israeli colonization is a justified one so for palestinians it's very unlikely that they're into the idea that the israeli government is the justified government they have no consent of governing the palestinians and yet they enforce their laws upon them this is how colonizing works is that although you have no justification justification to make people do what you want you have the state's monopoly on violence to use it against them and then make your justification through propaganda getting your citizenry to agree to the dehumanization and the demonization criminalization whatever you want to call it of palestinians and that's what allows them to continue treating them like shit not giving them the vaccines forcing them from their homes and moving them into more and more dire situations in the gaza strip and the west bank so that's really cool so i mean yeah ben shapiro is saying like they they got the deed from some random dude named ishmael the un's making it pretty obvious that it was during the jordan uh jordanian government uh in 1956 that helped relocate these families when they were removed from their original homes in 1948 which um i believe jordan egypt and iraq all had something to do with that conflict at the time which israel also won at that time Further, moving their borders um, bigger and Palestine's smaller, which has been kind of the process since then. Um, the situation in Sheikh Jarrah is not an isolated incident. No shit. According to publicly available information released by UN OCHA, nearly a thousand Palestinians, almost half of whom are children, are at risk of forced eviction across East Jerusalem. Uh, in many cases in East Jerusalem, including in Sheikh Jarrah, Forced eviction of Palestinians is occurring within the context of Israeli settlement construction and expansion of illegal under international humanitarian law. So, yeah, I mean, Israel's been doing that illegal expansion for a minute now, for decades. The UN constantly says it's illegal. The US used to say it's illegal, and they just keep doing it. Some of these are based on pre 1948 claims. A lot of them are because when they made the new deal uh, or, you know, a different deal in the 1960s with the UN's uh, uh, approval or I guess mitigation, uh, Israel just didn't respect it and has continued to move their borders. While Palestine refugees are discriminatorily banned from reclaiming their properties, homes, Lost in West Jerusalem in 1948. However, under international law, occupying power may not alter the law in place at the start of the occupation. So, like, literally the UN is just watching this and saying, like, hey, you guys are occupying and colonizing, but there's just certain rules that we can't have you break. But if you break them, we're also just going to kind of shake our fist at you and, you know, just don't do it. That's that's literally what the UN is just observing here is like we've been watching this atrocity evolve over decades of time and we've shaked our like we've shooken our fist as much as we can. Our hands are tied with shook fists. So it's just it's great. But Ben Shapiro's like story of Ishmael um, to delegitimize the right to the Palestinians of their home uh, doesn't really have that much factual basis behind it. I don't know where he got that story, but at least here with the UN, they recognize that it was in 1956 with the Jordanian government or Jordanian. Yeah, Jordanian government that it was through their assistance that they were able to help these refugees. So Israel don't give a damn, though.
In October 2020, a magistrate court in Israel rejected the residents' claim that the property had been promised to them by the Jordanian authorities during the years in which Jordan controlled the area. According to that particular court decision, all the witnesses were born after 1967 or were very young at the time and testified they heard about the Jordanian promise from an older relative. So not a single person who is currently saying we don't have to pay rent has any sort of legal basis for claiming they don't have to pay rent. End of story. Okay, so... Does I feel like there's probably at least like a, like a documentation trail that could lead you to the fact that like they're aware of this. Even the UN is aware of it and acknowledging it, but because the Israeli government, you know, they went through their channels, they said no, we don't accept uh, the Jordan, uh, the Jordan Jordanian. Jeez, it's really hard to say the Jordanian's government's decision from 1967. And since most of y'all are too young to even be alive at that time, there's no justification to it whatsoever. We're kicking you out. So that's that's really cool. It's really cool. Does this mean the Palestinians aren't allowed to live in Sheikh Jarrah or being expelled? From no, Sheikh Jarrah is a majority Arab area. A huge number of of Arabs live in East Jerusalem. A huge number of Arabs live in Sheikh Jarrah. It's like four houses. So why is that leading to rioting? Because it is well-coordinated in advance. Fatah was supposed to hold elections. This is the Palestinian Authority armed military wing. They were supposed to hold elections. They didn't hold elections because they knew they were going to lose. So instead, they've decided to ram up the level of violence. So, for example... It's very fascinating to me is that like it's the families being evicted, the families of Palestine being evicted by the Israeli government, and yet it's the uh, Palestinian authorities who planned this out, who planned the eviction by the Israeli government. That, that like That's some weird framing there that this is like a manufactured event by the Palestinian authorities when it's the Palestine, like the Palestinians who are protesting the event in itself, which is the eviction of these families. It's it, that's weird framing. And it reminds me that like it comes like uh, what's his what's his book called? Ben Shapiro's book, True Allegiance. He has a story in there where like the fake Al, Al Sharpton goes up to this like uh, this kid and this other guy and says hey if we get a cop to shoot this kid and you know the media realizes that the kid had a fake gun it was just a toy gun we can start a race war you know like the idea that like tamir rice was just like some kind of like deep state plant <laughs> to, to to get black people riled up at his killing not that a cop fucked up and shot a kid who was playing with a gun at a park you know, that 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 kind of shit. That's basically he's taking like what he wrote from his shitty novel, True Allegiance, and applying it to real world events in a manner that makes absolutely no sense. How are the pa Palestinians, the manufacturers of this uh, of this event when it's literally the Israeli uh, so-called government that is coming in and evicting these families, forcing Palestinian citizens to protest the event itself during Ramadan? What like who really planned this out, Ben? Who really did? And just just before the day of uh, Jerusalem, which is also like the day that the colonizers celebrate their colonizing, what who planned this out better? The Palestinians who are being just attacked to shit, or the Israelis who are on the offensive? You tell me, Ben. Example: May third. This is last week. There was a Palestinian terror attack on two Israelis. And Fatah posted on its Facebook page, right, Facebook allows this sort of stuff apparently. Fatah posted on its Facebook page 
Yeah, I mean, like, Facebook allows the Myan- like Myanmar, like, that whole genocide, the coup, everything that's going on in Myanmar, Facebook has allowed for, like, organizing by their death squads and their government on their website. Facebook is a piece of shit. Yeah, for sure. A call to Palestinians to delete video of the incident from their CCTV cameras so that the Palestinian terrorists would not be caught. Remember, Fatah is the ruling party of Mahmoud Abbas, the so-called moderate. Again, he's just saying this, and there's no proof of, like, the actual work. The thing that I appreciate of, like, John Oliver or even these comedians is that, like, even when they're making a joke about a news story, they usually put up the news story itself. And Ben has, like, obviously he has people who can edit his his segments with, like, little clips and shit, so why can't he actually get them to provide some sources while he's talking? Or is it just so much easier to, like, weave a narrative without anything uh, proving the validity or the truth it's so weird how can you just say that and then not provide work according to the fatah movement quote our lauded people honored members of our people we call on you to get rid of the contents that were stored in the security cameras of your homes or your businesses today and not to transfer any media content among yourselves the facebook page of the fatah movement also said the fatah movement's nablus branch emphasized that resistance is a natural right of the palestinian people against the zionist arrogance Okay, there were three Israeli teens wounded in the shooting attack. One ended up dying. Okay, so that was Mahmoud Abbas's... I mean, I gotta look it up. That's the thing, though. And these stories are coming from J-Post, which is an Israeli news outlet. Times of Israel, also an Israeli news outlet. So it's kind of hard for me to be interested in these stories, mainly because, like, they're... I don't want to say they push fake news, but they're definitely propagandic. And also, too, these stories are from 2019. Hmm. Hmm. So, again, I like even when I tried Googling it, I can't even verify uh, Ben's work here uh, because it's not. There's nothing recent. So, yeah, I. I I really love the fact that like Ben will just throw out allegations with uh no no sources. Uh all right, so here's one from Star Tribune. I'll try this. Let's see. Uh Facebook said Wednesday it has broken up a hacker network used by Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas intelligence service in an attempt to keep tabs on journalists human rights activists and government critics the report by the social networking giant threatened to deal another embarrassing blow to abbas's fatah party weeks ahead of parliamentary elections fatah plagued uh, plagued by infighting and public malaise already appears poised to lose power and influence if the vote takes place next month this article came out last month uh in this report facebook said that elements linked to the preventative security service quote used fake and compromised accounts to create fictitious personas posing as young women journalists and political activists they then sought to build trust with people they targeted and trick them into installing malicious software very interesting because this is also a situation that came from like another leader was it Myanmar I don't think it was Myanmar it might have been like another uh was it India? I can't remember who anymore, but there was like the same allegation uh, against this dictator 
that he had create like created a bunch of fake accounts to boost support on his Facebook page or at least the illusion of support on his Facebook page and Facebook was totally blinded by it like they didn't they didn't do anything about it whatsoever and yet with Palestine here they immediately shut down that account um hmm I can't really see, see, head of cyber espionage investigation said the company had used technical signals and infrastructure to link the network to preventative security. Hmm. 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 Still not very relevant to the actual thing that uh, Ben Shapiro is alleging here, which is that the Fatah had basically put out a mass message telling everyone to delete their CCT or CCTV footage. So I, Fatah party whatever. trying to cover for that. In the week leading up to all of these riots, there were a bunch of TikTok videos that were posted of Palestinians in East Jerusalem beating the hell out of Jews, and which caused retaliatory violence by wrong-minded Israelis, Israeli Jews. Okay, but Fatah has been pushing this for a long time. So last week, for example, Fatah put out a video, and this video literally translated says, oh, self-sacrificing fighter, make sure your bullets hit the target. Hit it, hit it, and it's about shooting Israelis. And this is being put on, these are the beautiful, the beautiful sounds of Fatah TV. And this is the, this is like. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like the the IRA, the Irish I, IRA has a song about black and tans asking them to come out and defeat the colonizers. Like, wh what are you doing? I guess like you really have to be sold into Ben Shapiro's worldview that the Israeli government is a an existing government, a justified existence, and it is therefore a country allowed to do with its populace as it will. But if you make this argument for Israel, is it then not true for the same thing with the Uyghur Muslims in China, which he continually condemns? Oh, man. So, like, if the Uyghur Muslims came out with a video and said, fight back against the genocide of the Chinese government, would he then condemn them because they uh, have propaganda in music that says survive, fight for your survival? Um, that's what's essentially happening here. Um, because, again, my worldview is the colonized are fighting against colonizers. Ben Shapiro's view is that a government country is fighting against domestic terrorism. Yep. Fatah is the governing party in the Palestinian Authority. Oh, self-sacrificing fighter, ignite it, ignite it everywhere. So they're openly calling for violence. Make sure the cannon is a fire burning by night. Make sure the Israeli state does not come. It's beautiful music, right? Really good stuff there. Meanwhile... Abbas's spiritual advisor, his religious affairs advisor, he explicitly says, you will go to paradise if you shoot an oppressor. His name is Mahmoud al-Habash. Okay, and somebody asked, what is your opinion if I kill an Israeli? And here's Mahmoud al-Habash. He is the religious advisor to Mahmoud Abbas, the, the head of the Palestinian Authority, the dictator, because he hasn't had an election in nearly two decades. He says, Muhammad, he'll go to hell because he is an oppressor, because he attacks. You'll go to paradise because you are oppressed and because you are defending yourself. And these are open calls to violence, guys. You think this rioting is spontaneous? It is not. It is not spontaneous. This is all planned. Okay. It Again, none of this is happening in a vacuum. Like the Palestinians originally thought they were, you know, living in their own land. And then Jewish settlers came in and said, no, this Bible here, 
this this uh my uh uh my 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 uh my non-fiction piece of historical work that everybody holds as such says that this is our land so again like you have to buy that narrative that Israel and the Jewish settlers are justified in their in their displacement of the Palestinians from their homes I don't and so it's like yeah, they're going to have propaganda and they're going to have their leaders using mm, inflammatory language to incite their people into defending themselves. I am not surprised by this, mainly because of the way Israel is going about its settling of its country, which has mostly been through violence. So um, this isn't an endorsement of the violence it's just a place of understanding that when you are fighting against oppression you're going to have this kind of language to inspire or incite your uh people into fighting for your cause so that's where that's coming from um if you see like if you go on the id like on instagram apparently the idf which is the israeli like army has um, a, 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 an Instagram page where they've been posting like weird memes talking about how they need to do whatever is necessary for the security of Israel. Um, it's fascistic propaganda that inspires people into the or incites people into the idea that what Israel is doing against women and children of Palestine is okay. But Ben Shapiro isn't highlighting here. It is a both sides kind of issue here because it is a conflict to a certain extent. But once you realize the the amount of resources that Israel has backing it, it's more of a massacre. It's more of a genocide. And it's very unfortunate that Ben Shapiro uses his power of deduction and smooth talking to uh, further the suffrage of the Palestinians rather than try to alleviate the suffrage. Then there's the lie. So that you see riots in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, conflict on the Temple Mount. Right? This is how you normally see it in the New York Times. The way that the New York Times pitches this conflict on the Temple Mount breaks out. Violence breaks out on Temple Here's the headline. Hundreds hurt in clashes at Aqsa Mosque as tension rises in Jerusalem. Really, hundreds hurt in clashes, were they? They're just clashes that happened. Well, what if I told you that Hamas and Fatah terrorists had used Al-Aqsa as a staging ground in order to ignite violence because they know the media will cover it this way? This has been a feature of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict for literally decades at this point. All of this is pre-planned. This is perfectly obvious. So, for example, here are some pictures. We were told, by the way, it's just a bunch of people peacefully praying inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, here's the thing. I've been up to the Temple Mount. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is open all the time. And the only reason there are any restrictions put on people getting up to the Temple Mount is because the Israeli authorities knew that terrorists were infiltrating the Temple Mount. That is literally the only reason. And so they put up some sort of fencing, and then the Palestinians got mad. So they took down the fencing for two days. And then the Palestinians still got mad. So it turned out it wasn't about the fencing at all. So you have a bunch of particularly young Arab men who went up into the Al-Aqsa Mosque and they brought with them giant piles of rocks because that's what I do. When I go to synagogue, I immediately bring with me things I can throw at the cops. I like to bring guns and fireworks and all sorts of stuff. Here are some pictures of Hamas in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You can see just piles of rocks. They just brought piles of rocks. Hey, this is people. It's very funny to me. He says, here you see Hamas when it's like pretty obvious that these are like civilians because they're wearing just civilian clothing. Like what kind of like, you know, militant uh, 
terrorist organization just operates in a plain white TV neck with some khakis, you know? That's that that screams militancy to me when you're wearing uh when you're like really yes they brought rocks to throw at the armored police but they they themselves are not armored like he shows us a picture of a bunch of people hanging out in the mosque who are just wearing pants and t-shirts no shoes because you know that's you know how you respect the holy temple but honestly that's that like he is <sighs> He's conflating this idea that they're really militant when you can easily look at this picture when it's just like a hodgepodge of just like poor people coming together to defend the little amount of land they have left to defend. Them giant piles of rocks. It's crazy. Because that's what I do. When I go to synagogue, I immediately bring with me things I can throw at the cops. I like to bring guns and fireworks and all sorts of stuff. Here are some pictures of Hamas in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You can see just piles of rocks. They just brought piles of rocks. Hey, this is people up on the Temple Mount who are setting fires, lighting fires, really enjoying themselves up there on the Temple Mount, supposedly this deeply holy site. I can tell you what Jews don't do at their holy sites. Okay, no, no. Like it's it's really responsible reporting here is when you like highlight that they lit a fire in the mosque with like no context whatsoever. Just being like, look at them. Look at these degenerates lighting a fire inside their mosque. You know what Jews don't do? They don't light fires in their holy places. Hmm, hmm. No Jews in Israel are using their holy sites for this sort of activity. Yeah, there so far it is. as I'm aware, if they are, it's criminal <laughs> under Israeli law. What do you mean it's criminal? Like, you can't light any fire whatsoever in a uh, synagogue? There's no place that you can light a fire in a synagogue, not even a candle, not even a incense of any kind. There's just absolutely fire is completely banned from any synagogue whatsoever. Okay, sure. All right, I'll buy it. Okay, there's people who are holding up Islamic Jihad and Hamas flags on the Temple Mount. And these are the flags of terrorist groups on the Temple Mount. I, on a, and yet again, no context and none needs to be provided because everybody who watches Ben Shapiro is merely here to, here to hear what he has to say and believe him. Just putting up pictures, just putting up pictures and saying this represents the Palestinians. It's one dude holding up a flag. By himself. What what are we doing? What are we talking about here? Other than like, this is fascistic language. Like, this is fascistic propaganda going out of your way to take pictures out of context and dehumanizing and demonizing, criminalizing the characters within it as an archetype, stereotype of the Palestinian. This is fascism. That's it. You done it. You done did it, kid. Here you have a bunch of people who are wearing those are those red those uh, green headbands are Hamas headbands and they're holding up copies of the Quran and some of them are holding up weapons I don't see any weapons Ben I do see a lot of uh I I do see uh the green headbands yes I see those uh, I'm not 100% sure if that's the mark of the Hamas because not all of them are wearing them um but I do see them holding up the copies of the Quran Inter like, where are the weapons, though? Where are they at? I don't see them. I see a bunch of shoeless, uh, you know, masked individuals, you know, because the, uh, the, the, the masking, I guess, uh, what are, what are they called? Turbans, right? Turbans are pretty normal in, uh, Islamic, uh, religion. I I'm seeing a lot of those in the Quran and some hand symbols. Yeah, and... 
Like it's uh, it's just so obvious the fifteen minute like the the type of fifteen minutes of hate that this is is just like further uh de- detaching the Americans from the plight of the Palestinians so that Israel is justified in its violence. It's it's gross. It's uh, it's incredibly toxic. It's it's good times. Right? It's it's good times up there on the Al Aqsa Mosque compound. Clearly, these are people who are there just for, you know, a little bit of religious scholarship at the end of Ramadan. Again, I don't think this represents. They really could be just because, oh, my God. Like, and I didn't even see any weapons. They really could be posing a photo because they're, you know, celebrating Ramadan inside the mosque. It really could be that. But because Ben's providing us the narrative and the context, it sounds much more uh, nefarious than it actually is or could be. I'm not 100% sure because I don't have the context either. The most of the people in the Palestinian areas who would just like to be left alone and live their lives. I think like, here they are wearing Hamas regalia and holding up gang signs. You can tell those those are gang signs. This represents the militant wing of these corrupt governmental bodies that are terrorist groups. So yesterday you started to see members of the media who are ignorant and stupid pass around video of people chanting on the Temple Mount. Right, these are Palestinians who are chanting on the Temple Mount. And they're like, look at these people resisting Israel. Look at how they're resisting Israel, Israeli oppression. Okay, so here is the video, and then I'll tell you what they're saying. (laughs) Okay, so you can see in the background the Dome of the Rock. This is again up on the Temple Mount. I've been up there. Okay, this is the... Okay, you have probably a thousand people who are all chanting in unison here. Young, young Palestinian men. So what exactly are they chanting? So the media pushed this out. Look at these, this beautiful act of... Here's what they're chanting in Arabic. Bomb, bomb Tel Aviv. Now, you may have noticed that Tel Aviv is not actually quote-unquote occupied territory. Tel Aviv <laughs> is like the first major city in Israel outside of Jerusalem. Yeah, <laughs> to Palestinians, that's occupied, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Just indoctrinated. Just so indoctrinated. Um, let's see here. Hold on. Because Ben Shapiro posted this on uh, on the Twitter, and um, it's pretty great because regardless of, like, he he put it on Twitter, the same video and the same translation, but literally in, in the mentions, there's so many people coming in saying, hey, I actually speak Arabic and your translation is wrong. Just like countless people here. Just saying, no, that is the wrong translation, Ben. Just countless. Just it scrolls and scrolls and scrolls and scrolls of that's not what they're saying. And yet he's he hasn't deleted the tweet. And then he added it to this segment. He literally gives no fucks about misrepresenting the Palestinians to a certain like to this point. To the idea that they're chanting bomb Tel Aviv when that's not what they're saying. Even if what they're saying is still pretty radical. I think right here it says, uh, with soul, blood, we redeem you all Aksa. There's that. The Someone else said that it's actually translated Tel Aviv is the bomb. Um, but most people have said right here that it is, with our souls, with our blood, we will redeem you O Aksa. That's what most of the translations have been coming through in this mention section. And it's just amazing to me that even with that many people coming out, calling him out on it he not only doesn't delete the tweet but continues to put it in his his program 
uh, because obviously most of his viewers and listeners do not speak Arabic. So this is just terrorists who are calling for terrorism. That's all. Or terrorist supporters calling for terrorism. There are a bunch of people who put this out and then they had to take it down. If not now, put this out. And then they had to take it down because they realized that it was promoting terrorism. Then you had video from Al-Aqsa, right? These are the clashes that the New York Times talks about. Here are clashes on the Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, a very holy site for Palestinians. They're using Al-Aqsa as a staging ground in order to fire fireworks and throw rocks at the Israeli police. They were just- If you remember, it's during the month of Ramadan. That's why they're at that mosque. So it's, again, how is this like a Palestinian tactic of getting Israel to bomb the shit out of their neighborhoods? What 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 is the tactic there, Ben? To get media outrage, they're willing to sacrifice as many Palestinians as they can to continue get media outrage, even though I'm sure the Palestinians are full aware that the UK, the US, Canada, uh, none of us are coming to their help. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that media outrage is not the key to solving this issue here. Um, actual sympathy and compassion coming from these big powers and the condemnation of Israel would probably help them more than just media outrage. Generating conflict because they know the media are suckers for this stuff. Holy and shit. How did I know? Like, I haven't watched this video. How the fuck did I know he was going to say that? Jesus Christ. They know that the media are always going to blame Israel in any sort of conflict. Doesn't matter that it, every statement from the Israeli government has been, we want you to be able to exercise your religious freedom. But you know what you're not allowed to do is go up there and bring rocks into the Al-Aqsa Mosque and chuck them at the police. But here they were doing. Why were they? Why did they bring them, Ben? Why did they bring them, and then why did they chuck them? Is it possibly because police have rubber bullets, stun grenades, and other tactics of violence to get protesters to do what they want them to do? Is that why people would bring rocks to a cop fight? I mean, this is, again, soft bigotry of low expectations, or the full bigotry of no expectations. Here are people using a mosque as a staging ground for terrorism. And they go just firing at the cops. By the way, you should know. You know how. You know how careful the Israeli police are about not offending Arabs up on the Temple Mount. So when I was up on the Temple Mount, which was in would have been October of 2019, when I went up to the Temple Mount, it was Sukkot, right? So it was, the, it was one of the last days of Sukkot. It was called Hoshana Rabbah. We go up there. You're not allowed to pray as a Jew openly on the Temple Mount, which, by the way, is an act of act like actual discrimination. If you're an Arab, you can pray wherever you want up on the Temple Mount. If you're a Jew and you stop and you pray, then Arab guards will rush at you and they will yell at you that you're not allowed to pray up there. So we stopped for just a moment and we were saying prayers from our phones, right? You try to make it look like you're not praying and you say some prayers from your phone, okay? And then- Oh my God, the poor colonizer can't go to one more place inside their occupied zone to pray. They can't even grant the Arabic people and the Muslims one spot where they don't bring their own religious uh, shit into into their realm. They're they're colonizing and taking over their entire home, and yet when they have one little mosque, one little place, one last sanctuary, they say "fuck you." Let me pray in my synagogue. <laughs> like it's just this reappropriation. It's the colonizers' mentality that everything they're doing is justified because they've been persecuted in the past. So their persecution of the people who are there now is justified, and it's not. It's not okay. It's not okay, and I'm sorry that you want one more place to pray inside this colonized space, but just allow people to have their own space if you truly cared about sharing this land with anybody. Obviously, 
colonizers don't. They want it all. They want the whole cake. Members of the Al-Aqsa Mosque guards run up and start screaming at people. Okay, so people start moving on. And one of the guys in our group had brought along with him some branches, some willow branches. One of the ceremonies you do on Hoshana Rabbah is you take the willow branches and you beat them on the ground. Okay, so he did that for like a second. The Mishnara, the Israeli police, not the Arabs, the Israeli police ran up to him and started to arrest him for literally taking some branches and hitting them on the ground. A bunch of, of Arab women who were up there ran over and started ch chanting Allahu Akbar because this is th this is ground that is so so holy. Oh no, not God is great. Oh my God, not don't don't scream God is great at people in in Islam or in Muslim or Arabic because oof you've you've crossed a fucking line, bro. Oof. Oh boy, but yet like they were fully aware, like Ben Shapiro, fully aware that this is how things were supposed to be when he went there, and yet they they you know colonizers say your shit be damned. Like my my religion, my culture is better than yours. That's how the colonizing mentality works, and it's very unfortunate because there possibly could have been a you know a two-state operation, but um, Muslims and Jewish people live in two different realities, especially in regards to what this land represents. So, lead to them that Jews can't be up here, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well the the Mishra went right along with this, right? They moved us all off the Temple Mount. Fine. There are people who are stockpiling rocks and fireworks and weapons up there, and apparently. The media think that's totally fine. Okay, again, the media don't know because anything. it's not against any law, <laughs> and the, the the media isn't an enforcement of the law. And the media doesn't report when you guys go up to that mosque and do um, Jewish rituals, which are you know knowingly banned by the uh, Arabic police, and also as you said by the Israeli police. Even the Israeli police are aware that you're not supposed to be doing Jewish rituals on this sacred Muslim last mosque that they have so yikes ben really yikes just so much colonizer mentality coming from a colonized nation in the united states like that's just so wild to me and this is exactly why ben shapiro doesn't want to teach the real history of this country is because then we'd have to actually condemn israel for its actions because we don't agree with it but we you know conservatives want to whitewash everything that everything was justified in the manifest destiny of this country so you know that's how he can apply the same logic to israel anything about this conflict and so they pretend they know something about the conflict and then they lie to you about the conflict Arab students were rioting over at Hebrew University. One of the most liberal areas in Israel is Hebrew University. Hebrew U is not a conservative organization. There are riots over there too. All of this supposedly over the eviction of four families from Sheikh Jarrah. Four families. There are millions of Palestinians who live in these areas. Four families were evicted because they were living in actual legally documented Jewish homes without paying rent. And there are widespread riots. That is, that's what we call a pretext, gang. Again, you would have to agree with all of the premise of Ben Shapiro's argument, which I could see a lot of conservatives and a lot of Israeli citizens agreeing with his premise and his understanding of the situation. Um, but I can completely understand from a point of view why Palestinians see this as unjustified and why they would protest and resist this kind of displacement of 75 plus people. So, um, yeah, you, you can build your outrage because you think Israel is justified in its actions. But there's a, a deeper conversation to have in there. But as long as you're a Zionist believing that the Jewish people are, are justified in displacing anybody for their uh, settlement, 
I don't know. I don't really feel like there's a constructive, productive conversation that we could actually have. So that is a pretext for for violence at Hebrew University. This is all coordinated from above. This is coordinated by Fatah. It is coordinated by Hamas. And this all culminated in Jerusalem Day. Like, it's further demonizing in the idea that this these aren't autonomous or sovereign citizens of Palestine that are doing this protesting. No, it's orders coming from Hamas, who you know and we all know is a terrorist organization. And so they themselves, the protesters, are also terrorists, and that's why it's okay if we start using live rounds on them. You know, that's that's kind of the linear logic that's being moved here. That's 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 how fascism works. For all of these events that are packed together, the last day of Ramadan was this week and then Jerusalem Day, which is the day that Israel won in 67 war. They won these areas of Jerusalem. There is this march that happened through Jerusalem. And so they're celebrating by displacing yet another uh, Palestinian family or four of them, you know. So by celebrating their their colonizers day, they move their colonizing forward some more. And yet it's the Palestinians who planned all of this. Right. Jerusalem, that, of course, sparked violence because the Arabs can't allow Jews to march through Jerusalem, which is sovereign Israeli territory. They can't allow that. And then the, there were there were full scale attacks on people who were just driving. So there is a there is a there's something called the Jericho Road, which surrounds Jerusalem. There's a Jewish driver who was driving on the Jericho Road. And he was stoned, right? The, the Palestinian youth started throwing rocks at his oh. car. He was hit in the head. <laughs> I thought he meant he was driving under the influence. <laughs> oh, man. His car went out of control. You can see his door is open as he's driving because his door is wrenched open. He was hit in the head with a rock. Okay, so you, what you're about to see in this How would Ben even know that? Did he ask him? Like, how, do, how does he know that that guy was hit in the head with a rock? He's like, you can see when he drives up, his door's open. It's pretty obvious that he got hit in the head by a rock. Not that he was trying to hit this. Video is he swerves. Yeah, not that he was trying to hit that protester right there. I've seen this video. He drives it directly at this protester. And it's because he got hit in the head in the, with a rock, right? Okay. Because he's lost control of the car. And then people rush up to the car and they start trying to drag the guy out of the car and beat him to death with rocks. You can see they're running over there. Again, nobody, like, again, misframing here again. I'm watching the same exact clip that he's he's playing. Nobody's trying to drag him out. Everybody literally threw a foot in. Just like everybody went up to the car, kicked the driver and the passenger, and then ran away. Nobody's trying to drag anybody out of this car. Yeah, they're, they're throwing rocks at the driver. Yeah, and even when he said they're trying to drag him out, like, everybody backed away and then tried to throw some rocks. So, um, who's trying, wow, just like, it's so obvious, it's so obvious lying and distorting, and yet he gets away with it this easily, that's wild. He, he only drives them away because he takes a, a gun and he fires it in the air a couple of times, a couple of warning shots. Then, the police arrive, and the police are trying just to, to defend this driver from being murdered on the street. Right, you can see the driver is, is he, the driver has a, a bandage around his head. You can see he's heavily bleeding. 
Yeah, but the real thing is like that I'm noticing here is that we got like it this video that Ben Shapiro is showing to us is like in the middle of the situation. The dude's back window was broken before he even came into the view of the camera. So you kind of have to come into question of what led to him uh speeding up so fast and then hitting that protester and wedging his car onto that I, I don't know, what is that? Like a barrier. So he, like there's so much missing context here, so much. And then it just on top of the missing context, like context, there's just misinformation of them trying to drag him out, which I'm pretty sure I saw it on, on Twitter saying that they were trying to lynch him, even though, like I said, nobody tries to pull him out of the car. Like people walk up, throw some kicks, back up, throw some rocks and st- keep their distance so i do buy that he has a gun but again we're missing the 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 context here and this is almost like the same kind of apologist behavior that came out for kyle rittenhouse where we barely get any context before he shoots that guy in the head as to why he was chasing him with a bag what why was he chasing him with a bag before kyle rittenhouse turns around and shoots him in the head what is going on in that situation and we still haven't gotten that full context so hmm not digging this. Not not mm, not liking it. Nope. That you can see the the label on the guy, back of the guy's shirt is Mishtara. He's holding everybody off with a gun. Okay, this is how volatile things have gotten. They've gotten this way because they are promoted from above. Because this is being promoted by Fatah and Hamas. They don't make a secret of it, but the media lie to you because the media don't want. Yeah, things haven't gotten this way because it's decades of conflicts by like the settlers who keep moving the border like every four to seven years. It has nothing to do with the aggression of the colonizers and everything to do with Hamas, who has uh, taken leadership over Palestine, mainly because Palestinians are terrified of the Israeli government. Oh, boy, oh, boy, Ben. You get paid way too much money for this shit. want you to know what's going on there, and they certainly don't want you to know that the Biden administration has been spending hundreds of millions of American dollars sending, those, sending that money over to the Palestinian Authority. Okay, that that is for what? Like, do you again show your work, dude? I gotta look it up because I'm gonna guess it's for the vaccines. <laughs> and you're gonna get mad at the Biden administration for sending a money to get vaccinated for a pandemic. Uh, to restore, so, hmm. All right, so we have ABC News here reporting uh, in March 31st. The Biden administration is quietly ramping up assistance to the Palestinians after former President Donald Trump cut off nearly all aid. I remember that happening. Since taking office with a pledge to reverse many of Trump's Israeli-Palestinian decisions, the administration has allocated nearly $100 million for the Palestinians, only a small portion of which has been publicized. The administration announced last Thursday that it was giving $15 million to vulnerable Palestinian communities in the West Bank and Gaza to help fight the COVID-19 pandemic. Completely understandable, because if the entire globe doesn't get this pandemic under control, then we will see more variants, more mutations, and we will all have to pay for that. A day later, with no public announcement, it notified Congress that it will give the Palestinians $75 million for economic support to be used in part to regain their trust and goodwill after the Trump era cuts. Oh man. I mean like that's that's that the 75 million is like a bit of a slide of like hey, 
you guys are going through an economic downfall, a pandemic, and also you might need some money to defend yourselves against Israel. So, mm, yeah, still not nearly enough uh, resources as what um, uh, Israel has. But, of course, Ben Shapiro thinks that all Palestinians are related to Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization, thus all Palestinians are terrorists. So then he then equates the logic of uh, Biden is funding a terrorist organization. All right. Got it. Cool. What they really don't want you to know is that there is taxpayer money going to which is which is also funny that he says that they don't want like the media doesn't want you to know when it was abc who reported it like a uh, little little liberal leaning uh bbc uh wall street journal uh new york times uh guardian uh reuters like everybody's reporting it ben are, are you just like acknowledging that most of your audience is ignorant to any other news website than yours Precisely the groups. It was just restored by the by in in violation of the Taylor Force Act. There's money <laughs> that was just restored to these Palestinian terror groups by the Biden administration. It's it's pretty absurd, but again, you don't have to know anything about the Middle East to cover it for the New York Times. And apparently, you don't have to know anything about it to be Ben Shapiro. Like all you have to know is that Israel justified, and then boom, you've got your full argument of why all Palestinians should be destroyed. Boom. All right, so let's move off of that depression and get to <clears throat> these are a little bit irrelevant situations to uh, the Israel situation, which I hope can, you know, kind of fix itself. But I know it's only going to get worse. So it's, I don't know. It's just too bad because like the right wing is going out of its way to justify the destruction of the Palestinian people and the liberal media is making it sound like the Palestinians are you know giving the good fight uh while nobody cares and nobody helps so cool let's um yeah let's move on to how bad Biden's Middle East plan is from the perspective of Bin Chaperon of command and control and visibility there was from Tehran, I don't think we know that right now. Well, you know, maybe the government's just not in control of their Navy. It's their Navy. Pretty sure they know what they're doing. It's amazing how in just three months, we can have a, a president who takes office on the way, uh, seriously, he took office as the luckiest man maybe ever to take American office. Number one, he didn't run a campaign. Number two, he took office in the wake of a very unpopular president. Number three, he took office in the middle of a naturally occurring economic recovery for which he was not responsible. He took office in the middle of a COVID pandemic for which the vaccine had already been developed and a vaccine tranching plan had already been developed. He took office the year after massive racial conflagration in the United States, and he took office with basically peace in the Middle East breaking out everywhere. He has proceeded to exacerbate the racial conflict in the United States, destroy the economic growth curve through his ridiculous spending programs. Oh, my Rosie's dreaming. Rosebud, you dreaming? Hi, Rosie. You know, you dreaming? <laughs> my, my butter. Aww. She's not dreaming anymore. And set the Middle East on fire by incentivizing all the worst forces in the Middle East and attempting to reverse the effect of peace deals that were breaking out all over the Middle East. We're only four months in, gang. Wait for a few years. We're only like one minute in and he has laid out like I think six or seven different allegations again with like no sources, citations, any of proof of work here. So awesome.
starting out great. Oh, the fact is the Biden administration has this bizarre notion that they are going to establish some sort of balance of power, a real politics situation in the Middle East. This started under Barack Obama, who was fully invested in the notion that Iran was going to provide a counterbalance to the Sunni Arab states and that this would somehow make the region better, which is insane since the Ayatollahs run Iran. This is one of the reasons why Obama went super soft when the, when the Iranian revolution was happening in 2009. He sort of looked the other way as Iranians got shot down in the streets. It's very weird that Ben Shapiro is making the imperialist argument now. We've gone from the colonizing argument to the imperialist argument that it we should overthrow Iran because we don't like their regime. It's like it's, that's the same kind of logic and rhetoric that got us in Iraq and Afghanistan. Are you against endless wars or are you for them, Ben? Because you kind of have to draw the line in the sand at some point. There's a great piece over a tablet right now uh, about... Because, like, the whole point of the Iran nuclear deal was to an attempt a diplomatic measure of changing the Iran's regime. Uh, rather, you know, through diplomacy, making a deal with their nuclear output and development of nuclear weapons, that was to control their regime. But Donald Trump backed out from that deal, showing that, you know, the old ways of American uh, regime change are probably at a higher likelihood than they used to be. Um, I don't even think that Biden's going to go back into the deal. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Biden actually has the uh, prerequisite or pretext to invade Iran. I'm not, I'm not for it. I, ugh, yikes. Um, I don't want another Libya, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia. I don't, I don't want another situation like that. But here we are, you know, here we are realignment in the Middle East that Biden is attempting to effectuate. And basically what they're attempting to do is allow Tehran to gain an economic prominence. They would, they would like to allow Iran to get a nuclear bomb by 2031. No, I mean, again, he's not providing any work. Biden is not a supporter of Iran having nuclear weapons. So again, uh, prove what you're saying. Back up your fucking claim, Ben. And um, also, like, what's wrong with giving Iran an economic foothold? You know it's been sanctioned to shit for, like, the past 10 years, putting its people in abject poverty? Like, you know that's that's a problem, right? Like, the fact that, like, Iran has no economic standing on its own two feet? You Like, that's a problem, Ben. Like, you, you shouldn't argue against... A, a, a country getting an economic foothold to support its own people just because you don't agree with its ideals. That's fucked up, man. They want to end the sanctions. They want to implement a policy of accommodation of Iran. And like, that's honestly the imperialist mindset. Like, it's amazing how we turn the dial from colonizing to imperialize. That's amazing. It's all in one little man. It's It's so impressive tentacles in Iraq, Syria, Yemen, and Lebanon, and they want to force that policy on America's closest allies so they can establish this so-called balance of power. That is the goal here, right? This, of course, is going to be a giant fail because every time you make concessions to Iran, Iran immediately gets more militant, right? This is what they do. So right now- Yeah, even though like the entire time they were under the nuclear deal, the UN and the US would c go in and make sure and ensure that they were uh, holding up their side of the agreement by not enriching uranium and not developing nuclear weapons, which Iran did do. Yeah, they, 
sure, Ben. Sure. It's not as if like as soon as Donald Trump removed the United States from the Iran nuclear deal, that's not when they started ramping up their nuclear developments, is it? Now, just this the last few weeks, there have been these ongoing bullcrap negotiations. Like, I would honestly hate to be Iran, especially since we constantly like, you know, get get a president in get a president out and like they have to be dealing with like this fucking like teeter-totter of leadership just like oh we like you now kind of sort of oh you're a dick we don't like you anymore oh we kind of like you now we can work diplomatically oh no not anymore every four years they're just getting some other dickhead telling them some other shit that was the opposite from the other dickhead like i would hate to be iran that that it has to be completely shitty also like north korea gets the same exact shit now i'm not supportive of their regimes they are dictators but at the same time like working diplomatically to change a regime towards a democracy i feel like is a lot better than enforcing it through uh domination which isn't a very diplomatic democratic means of installing diplom you know diplomacy and democracy and shit like that so um yeah it's just it would suck to be these nations where United States has a vested interest in your well-being. I would be really concerned. ...in Europe between Biden and the Iranian leaders. And they're not in the same room together. They're, they're staying in two separate hotel rooms, and then they have couriers who are running back and forth with letters. And it turns out that Iran doesn't want to dismantle any of its new nuclear activities since the advent of the Trump administration and the end of the original Iran deal. The Biden administration is looking at them and going, well, we need something. We need some sort of fig leaf so that we can remove the economic sanctions at this point. But it is clear that the White House wants to make accommodations for the Iranian government, despite the fact that we don't need to make accommodations for the Iranian government. We've already made a bunch of accommodations for the Iranian government. For example, the Biden administration on entering office immediately oriented itself anti-Saudi. Right? The, the Trump administration was quite pro-Saudi because Saudi was pushing very hard for peace deals in the Middle East. <laughs> Like, uh, honestly, too, how you can be anti-Iran, but pro-Saudi is just, you, you know, you've got fair-weather friends, Ben, because, like, the, the Saudi government is just as oppressive as the Iranian. And, like, also on top of it, they've, they, oh, my God, dear Lord. And, like, that's the teeter-tottering here because Iran and Saudi Arabia have been fighting a proxy war in Yemen, throwing their children literally under the bus. Um, wow. Just wow. Oh, man. To, to create a sort of anti-Iranian alliance, ironically caused by, by Barack Obama's support for Iran. The Biden administration came in and attempted to reverse all that. Their first move was to declare that the Houthis in Yemen were not actually a terrorist entity, which, of course, is insane. The Houthis are, in fact, a terrorist entity. Then they decided that... They Hold on. Again, like, I hate that he, like, throws out these allegations, like, this happened, and he doesn't provide his work. It's very frustrating to me because like the the comedians who like the last week with John Oliver, Trevor Noah, like they all do that. They make a joke about the story and yet it's provided next to their head so you can at least look, you can see where to look. Um all right, so there we go. The PBS here does report. Thank, thank you, PBS. Enforced foreign policy shift, Biden lifts terrorist designation for Houthis in Yemen. Which is interesting because why didn't he do that for Iran's military? Like, the actual Iranian military was marked as a terrorist organization by Donald Trump just before they, like, bombed their general. Why would he choose the Houthi rebels in Yemen rather than 
That's weird. I feel like that actually shows less good faith. That is very weird. I'll have to I'll have to look more into that, but that's that's very strange. Maybe our 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 interests in Yemen have shifted a little bit. We'll see. They were going to release that report on Jamal Khashoggi and the murder of Jamal Khashoggi at the hands of the Saudi monarchy. That was like a two-year-old story. They decided to release the report to generate some cover for the fact that they were now siding pretty openly with Iran. Yeah, but like Donald Trump openly sided with Saudi Arabia and said that we can't do anything about Jamal Khashoggi because we can't sacrifice the arms deals that we do the with Saudi Arabia. We straight up said that it's okay that the Saudi government murdered one of our journalists. And yet you're still okay with that. That's so weird, Ben. Iran's meanwhile, they were trying to press forward this negotiation with Iran in order to like he they murdered a a journalist who was critical of the Saudi government as an extrajudicial political killing. That is some severe dictatorship that you are apologizing for, not in the way of sorry that happened, but in the way of like this kind of shit happens. To pay Iran in order to try and strengthen Iran. And their hope was that Iran would then somehow moderate, become wonderful, be a counterbalance to the Saudi regime. The Iranians in these negotiations have been demanding, according to the New York Times, that they be allowed to keep the advanced nuclear fuel production equipment they installed after Trump abandoned the pact and integration with the world financial system beyond what they achieved under the 2015 agreement. The Biden administration says restoring the old deal is just a stepping stone. Right? Okay, so this is the great lie. What they're going to say is, we are, are this is the first deal we signed, which is just a bunch of concessions to Iran. That's just a stepping stone. But here's the thing. It isn't just a stepping stone because usually a stepping stone is followed by another stone. If it's just a stone in the middle of the water, you're just standing there in the middle of a river. And that's what the Biden administration is doing right now with regard to Iran. Hmm. Iran for its. Anyways, uh, we're going to take a short intermission break real quick. I'll be right back. Jesus Christ. Intermission over. I probably will be taking another short intermission uh, just before the last segment. And that way you can kind of chop this up if this episode's too long for you. 
otherwise until I can get paid more money for this and get somebody who can clean up the editing and all of that stuff for me. Uh, this is the way it's going to be. So uh, here at Tox News, we'd be balling on a motherfucking budget. Back to Ben Shapiro, whose budget is like Israel's, and I, I'm chilling on a Palestinian budget right now. So let's get it. Its part is trying to pressure the Biden administration and intimidate the Biden administration by getting violent. This is their goal. So yesterday, for example, the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Maui had to fire 30 warning shots from a 50 caliber machine gun. This is yesterday. After a group of 13 Iranian Revolutionary Guard Navy fast boats conducted unsafe and unprofessional maneuvers while operating close to a U.S. naval formation in the Strait of Hormuz. So basically, you had 13 IRGC Navy boats, these tiny little boats, for harassing a U.S. Coast Guard boat. You'll remember that during the Obama administration, they actually captured some American soldiers, and there were those humiliating photos of American soldiers on their knees as the Iranian... All right, so we have from Politico... Because I got to look shit up. Ben just says stuff and doesn't provide any work. So it says the U.S. Navy fires warning shots at Iranian gunboats in Persian Gulf. Uh, uh, that was the 27th of April. The U.S. Navy fired warning shots at Iranian military boats in the northern Persian Gulf on Monday. The first such escalation in early in nearly four years, the Pentagon announced. The incident marks the second known occurrence this month of Iranian vessels harassing U.S. ships after a group of Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, Navy fast attack craft swarmed two U.S. Coast Guard cutters at close distances in the Persian Gulf on April 2nd. Yeah, so it's very weird to me that uh, the story comes out as if Iran is being aggressive when we're sending our boats into <laughs> their waters? That's very weird to me. Like, that's uh, pretty strange. Because isn't the Persian Gulf, like, closer to Iran's uh, borders than it is the United States? So, you know us having our ships there wouldn't that be a little bit more aggressive you know wouldn't it i don't i'm not i'm a little dubious and doubtful of the framing of this even from politico uh, it almost comes just after weeks after the Biden administration, Iran had begun talks on reviving the 2015 nuclear deal that former President Donald Trump abandoned in 2018. The American withdrawal sparked a sharp escalation of tension between Tehran and Washington that culminated in the U.S. killing of Iranian Major General Qasem Soleimani in early 2020. Around 8 p.m. on Monday, three armed IR GCN speedboats rapidly approached the coastal patrol boat USS Firebolt and the Coast Guard cutter uh, Baranoff to an unnecessarily close, close range with unknown intent coming as close as 68 yards of the ships. The U.S. vessels were conducting routine operations in international waters at the time of the incident, the Navy said. Interesting. The U.S. crews issued multiple warnings to the IRGACN boats over the radio and other devices, but the vessels continued their maneuvers, the Navy said. The crew of the Firebolt then fired warning shots, and the Iranian vessels moved away. Hmm. The IRGCN's actions increased the risk of miscalculation and or collision and were not in accordance with international rules governing sea operations. Huh. 
Hmm. U.S. naval forces continue to remain vigilant and are trained to act in a professional manner while our commanding officers retain the inherent right to act in self-defense. Hmm. Hmm. So the vessels were swimming towards them and they fired warning shots at the Iranians. The Business Insider frames it as Iranian vessels swarmed U.S. Coast Guard. Hmm. <laughs> it's just strange to me what they were doing in the Persian Gulf. I know it says routine. It was a routine uh, operation, but um, that sounds like a vague blanket statement that I could use on almost any kind of situation. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit dubious of what they were doing in that section of the Persian Gulf anyways, so. But we'll, 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 we'll let it slide for now. And Revolutionary Guards stood around them. And then Iran let it go but not before building a giant statue of this directly in the middle of Tehran, which they actually did. And so here's the best part. The Biden administration is so invested in the lie that Iran is moderate. They're so invested in the lie that they can somehow bring Iran to the table, which of course foments terrorism across the Middle East, that a Pentagon spokesperson yesterday was asked about this incident in which Iranian ships were harassing American ships and American ships actually had to fire over their heads as a warning shot by saying, this is the Pentagon spokesperson. He said, well, you know, maybe Iran doesn't control the Navy. This is what we've been relegated to. The American administration is now playing open propaganda for the Iranian regime. Okay, this is all <laughs> wrong-headed. It is insane. It's going to cause people to die in the Middle East. I like how giving them the benefit of the doubt is like what uh, is open propaganda for them. Just like not immediately uh, targeting them and de demonizing them, but giving them the benefit of the doubt in the situation, that's propaganda. Is that simple? That's amazing. Here is the Pentagon spokesperson playing actual propagandists for the Iranian regime. I don't think at this point that we have a great sense of the command and control element here uh, for the IRGC Navy. I think you know the IRGC Navy reports directly to the Supreme Leader. Uh, but what level of command and control and visibility there was from Tehran, um, I don't think we know that right now. Okay, they're just making excuses. Can you imagine anything like this, like on the American side? Really? Like any other country where their Navy is harassing our ships and we're like, well, you know, maybe the government's just not in control of their Navy. It's their Navy. Pretty sure they know what they're doing. But here's the thing. When you have fostered a lie that you now have to live with, you have to make excuses for the lie. And this is the pattern in the, in the Obama part three administration, the Biden administration. The pattern is you have a lie. The lie is that Iran is a moderating power that can be moderated if we just make nice with them. Then that lie is proved by the fact that they get extremely militant in the in in the Straits of Hormuz, harassing American ships, and so now you have to promulgate the lies. So it's oh well, I guess the Iranians don't know what they're doing. Same thing in the Middle East. Same thing with regard to the Palestinians. You have to promulgate the lie that there's a moral equivalence between Hamas and Palestinian Authority and Islamic Jihad and the Israelis. And then it turns out they're firing rockets at Israeli cities for no reason. And so now you have to say, well, you know, it must be just because of escalation of de-escalation, guys. We just need de-escalation. This is true throughout leftist thought. As soon as your ideology is debunked by real world events, you have to start making excuses for why that's not true. And inevitably, that means you are defending some of the worst people on earth. This happens over and over and over again, because if you are so invested in your idea of what's true, that the actual truth doesn't matter, that means you have to lie by necessity. And this <laughs> that's Ben Shapiro's MO. Is that like, 
let's hear let's hear him say it again because that's literally what he does for a living world events you have to start making excuses for why that's not true and inevitably that means you are defending some of the worst people on earth this happens over and over and over again because if you are so invested in your idea of what's true that's exactly like the entire Israeli, like how he observed the Israeli-Palestinian conflict right there is that he believed so much that his reality is true that you'll have to come up with lies to make, excuse make excuses for what's actually going on. <laughs> wow. Just laying out his blueprint of how I Ben Shapiro live on Ben Shapiro show. That the actual truth doesn't matter. That means you have to lie by necessity. And this is what the Biden administration is doing on foreign policy. How's this for a title? Ben Shapiro Show subscriber dis- Yeah. Oh, man. What I find interesting, too, is the Baltimore Sun also reported on this. Um, hmm, maneuvers by the Navy, Naval Arm of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Uh, warning shots, 13. I don't know, man. This whole, like, situation- seems pretty dubious of like why the u.s was that close to the iranian border and um what uh would cause uh the iranian navy to send 13 boats out into their into their area so i mean i feel like if i was to watch iranian television or media they would tell me that the united states were acting as the aggressors coming that close to their border and sending warning shots because it's literally uh right at the ports of I iran right here the strait of hormuz so i don't know man it, it comes off a bit aggressive of what we did and then like the reasoning is pretty dubious as well is that they were coming at them towards them in a unsafe and unprofessional maneuvers so it's very strange. So they fired the warning shots and they backed off. Uh, Kirby says that they were acting aggressively. Uh, they got within 150 yards of the U.S. ships. Um, hmm. A day earlier, the Monterey had intercepted an arms shipment aboard a... D. Howe in the Arabian Sea. Hmm. Kirby said the Maui fired two rounds of warning shots from its 50 caliber machine gun. First round when the Iranian boats got to within 300 yards of the U.S. ships, and the second when they got within 150 yards. After the second round of warning shots, the 13 fast attack craft from the IRGCN broke contact. Uh, there's just not enough information on this story. There's just not enough. And to use it as if the United States or even the Biden administration is being soft on Iran is a very weird angle to come at this from. So even Reuters here has the uh, inverse of the story. Iran's, uh, Iran's guards blame U.S. ship for warning shots incident in Gulf. Iran's Revolutionary Guards on Tuesday accused U.S. Coast Guard ship of provocation after it fired warning shots against Iranian military boats that approached it in the Gulf. The Pentagon said on Monday the U.S. Coast Guard ship Maui fired about 30 warning shots after 13 fast boats from the Revolutionary Guards Navy came close to it and other American Navy vessels in the Strait of Hormuz at the mouth of the Gulf. 
A Revolutionary Guard statement accused U.S. naval ships of unprofessional behavior, such as flying helicopters, fi- firing flares, and aimless and proactive shooting. Honestly, that's exactly the same accusation the United States had given about Iran. Uh, I know since I'm American, I'm supposed to just side with my government. But again, this story's weird and dubious, and the tensions rising in Iran kind of just like, I don't know, this sounds like another just domino in the whole effect of uh, pretext of invading Iran or having military aggression towards them. So I don't know, man. Quote, it would be better for the Americans to avoid unprofessional behavior and not to endanger the security of the Persian Gulf by obeying the rules and regulations of the sea. So again, Iran is blaming the United States of the exact same thing. Uh, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said on Monday, the Iranian vessels had been acting very aggressively. It was the second time within the last month that the U.S. military vessels have fired warning shots because of what they said was unsafe behavior by Iranian vessels in the region, a.k.a. outside their border. Uh, the latest incident comes as world powers in Iran seek to speak, speed up efforts to bring Washington and Tehran back into compliance with the 2015 nuclear accord. U.S. officials returned to Vienna last week for a fourth round of indirect talks with Iran to have on how to resume compliance with the deal, which former U.S. President Donald Trump abandoned in 2018, prompting Iran to begin violating its terms about a year later. So, yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling that Iran was going to basically point the finger back at the United States as being the aggressor, and it's hard not to see both sides, mainly because the Strait of Hormuz, or Hormuz is like literally right outside of uh, Iran, so it's very strange that they would be doing uh, routine operations that close to their uh, border when you have to kind of question what are those routine operations that are required routinely outside of their border. It's just weird. It's just weird, especially amongst the rising tensions and the idea that mm, might have to uh, invade Iran here pretty soon since they won't comply to the nuclear accord that we backed out of two years ago, three years ago. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not digging any of this story. And that's uh, Tox News, observing Ben Shapiro's colonizer to imperial uh, switch. He, he, can, he can turn it on a, on a dial. You know, he'll go from colonizing in Palestine to uh, imperializing Iran. So, uh, yeah, that's been Tox News. Follow me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Uh, there's a description if you're listening to the podcast you can find the youtube channel in the description if you're watching on youtube you can find this on all podcast platforms i believe at least that's what anchor tells me and anchor is one of the best platforms that provides the access for anybody to do this anybody at all you can be talking nonsense as i do here and you can have a podcast out existing it's just a thing so shouts out to anchor uh like subscribe dislike share comment rate review and uh stay beautiful that's 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 it that's that's it and um uh don't believe the lies